Welcome to the Dividend Cafe weekly market commentary focused on dividends in your portfolio and dividends in your understanding of economic life. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and Markets podcast brought to you by the Dividend Cafe of the Bonson Group. Kind of a lot of action today, a little less on the COVID side, more on the market side, but I'll try to give you everything you came here to get. The Dow was down 130 points today. Um, futures were down about 300 uh, in the middle of the night when I woke up, and then the market opened 300 points down uh, about six hours later. So the futures kind of projected where we would go, um, but then the market rallied all the way up, um, and then it zigged and zagged throughout the day and into the close uh, before it ended up closing 130. So uh, it's kind of a crazy chart of the ups and downs of the market today at covidmarkets.com. But um, the NASDAQ was actually down 1.25% on the day, a little more than double um, what the Dow was down. And this does maintain still that kind of down 10% position that the NASDAQ finds itself in. So we... um, you know, continue to have kind of a volatile market, although really a high concentration of that volatility in technology and much less uh, downside on the month in some of the non-tech sectors. Now, the weekly jobless claims came in this morning. They're the lowest level that they've been on a weekly number since March and the COVID kind of uh, lockdown beginning, although it's still a very high number, but uh, 860,000 on the weekly jobless claims. Um, however, the continuing claims dropped by almost a million, landing at 12.6 million. So that's about half of the 25 million high, give or take, that we had been. So, you know, kind of a you know, mixed bag, I guess, net net, probably a little bit of good news, but still uh, a precarious situation. Um, on the COVID front, uh, first of all, just kind of some more cultural phenomena that I happen to think is very pertinent economically and medically, but um, some of you may not agree. Uh, the Big Ten football conference, which of course had canceled fall football, reversed course yesterday, is now authorized football to take place, I believe starting off on the 24th of October, a little over a month away. Um, that will, as of right now, leave just the West Coast-based Pac-12 conference as the only major conference holdout that is determined not to have a fall college football season. However, even the Pac-12 is suddenly taking steps to reconsider. So uh, got to hand it to their leadership. Um, let me see. In terms of some of the more pertinent medical side of things, um, Eli Lilly today announced successful results from a trial for their viral treatment that indicated a 72% reduction in hospitalizations for their patients taking it. This is an interesting treatment because, first of all, it's not vaccine-oriented. This is a therapeutic to someone who is positive with COVID. Um, And it's also not like remdesivir from Gilead intended for real severe cases. It's primarily uh, been tested. Their trial was on 800 mildly, you know, moderately symptomatic. They were not asymptomatic. They were not light symptomatic, but they were not um, heavy, severe cases. And again, a 72% reduction. um, And this was the full placebo deal. I mean, this was a pretty exhaustive test. So I really like seeing this kind of ongoing 
improvement in the treatment side, because while obviously everyone's focused on the immunity dimension, there are a lot who don't um, seem to be really confident in, in the herd immunity side. I'm not one of them. I'm incredibly confident in that direction. Um, but then, of course, we know there are some that are, are not confident or happy about the concept of a vaccine whereby you receive an immunity through vaccination. Um, I'm also very excited about vaccine treatments. But to the extent that there will be people who get uh, coronavirus and need treatment, I think that things like remdesivir and things like various approved treatments are really going to facilitate a society that can get back to normal. And so we're optimistic about this treatment, or at least we're hopeful, I should say. Um, in terms of, uh, bye, 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 you got to get the link at covermarkets.com. Big, big, big story out of Nashville. Uh, I don't know what will come of it, but I think it's very important, not because I have any evidence whatsoever that it's happened other places but I don't really need evidence happen in other places. It happened in this place. And to me, it's just stunning to see elected officials, a bunch of emails that have leaked out uh, from elected officials and public health officials saying we don't really have cases at bars and restaurants. It's really not that much. The numbers are very light. What do we do? do we, should we not leak these numbers? Because we don't want people to know that that's not where the cases are. And I'm not actually paraphrasing. This is kind of really, you, know, you can read the, the piece for yourself. But I think it kind of just speaks to what is really, you know, frustrating for those that are trying to fully assess COVID-19 and when, when information is being distorted or withheld or lied about. Um, and, it, and of course, it, it, it doesn't seem that very often that information is being withheld uh, to make us feel like it's better. It's really primarily being withheld to make us feel like it's worse and that impacts economic activity, and which is the reason I bring it up. We have our fair share of charts for you about the test positivity rate and uh, where hospitalizations lie. Um, it, you know, things have kind of flattened in terms of where we are on, on cases. Uh, so we'll see if those numbers continue to go lower. Right now, they've kind of paused in their decrease. I mean, they're still going lower, but the pace is certainly paused. Uh, California, though, by the way, has a positivity rate down to 3.6%. Their target was to get below 8%, so they're well beyond that, and yet they continue to have significant amount of shutdown. Um, they also, by the way, are a pretty big investigation going on on a lot of fraud, and I don't mean isolated cases millions of cases on that unemployment assistance fund I spoke about earlier uh, that, again, it is right now California-specific, but California is the leading state for unemployment claims, and there seems to be some real distortion of that data. I think that's significant because, as I've pointed out with some of the COVID and medical and health data, and then now on this unemployment, it is very difficult for an analyst to do uh, data assessment when the data is unreliable or wrong. Um, so the standard charts at COVID markets, uh, including an update on Orange County, which has seen its hospitalizations just really, really collapse down to 67 total patients in ICU in Orange County for COVID. Um, and again, a population of three and a half million people. Uh, on the market front, um, yesterday on rally day, you had another one of these days, uh, real strong mean reversion and leadership change, where a lot of the leaders from 
the past few months dramatically underperformed the things that had been underperforming. And so I think that that speaks to a breadth and a very healthy transformation within the market, as does the um, high-yield CDX, which, of course, is the spreads that exist in the, in the high-yield uh, corporate credit market. And seeing these hit new lows speaks to um, very healthy appetite for risk in capital markets. If you were having a broad-based risk off, you would see spreads widen, not tighten. And it does add a little bit more fuel to the fire. I've brought up the same argument a week ago that what we're maybe experiencing in equity volatility right now is tech-centric and not broad market-centric. No new news of specificity or finality on public policy, but a lot of new news on re-engaged conversation, uh, posturing, barking and biting, um, this this, uh, potential for another stimulus bill. They still appear to be a trillion dollars apart, but now the White House is sort of coming out saying that they want the same size of a bill that Speaker Pelosi wants. And what I think is really kind of interesting is that if Speaker Pelosi and Donald Trump want the same thing, you would think it could be done immediately. Um, and most certainly, uh, no matter what you read or think or hear, I, I would argue that President Trump would end up getting Republican senators to do what he wanted to do if he you know, used his uh, bully pulpit. Um, it's the House. So two people both saying they want the same thing and they can't get it done uh, speaks to the era out of fear of giving the other side a victory, speaks to the, fe- the, the weirdness of where we're in. But it does look like there's a little momentum. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but a little momentum for a PPP extension, a relaunch that will allow businesses who already took a PPP loan to get a second loan. It was part of all the different stimulus bills that have not gone anywhere so far, but there could be a standalone bill just for that. Uh, It would take a lot of guts for people to vote against it if it does get forward. So there's both some Democratic efforts and Republican efforts to bring that together. Oil rallied today, by the way, even in the market sell-off. OPEC Plus uh, is meeting and supposedly talking about their production cut plans and compliance with the plans they've already had. In the housing market, I swear to you this is not a typo or a misspeak. But Fannie and Freddie issued $322 billion of new mortgage securities in August. Um, A big, big portion are refinancing loans. So that means that this volume is taking out pre-existing mortgage securities. And that, you know, enhances that prepayment risk that exists in this asset class. But you have a kind of cycle here, okay? Low rates creates a high demand for mortgages. That creates more volume of mortgage securities the demand for that comes out of low treasury yields, which in turn basically forms more capital for more mortgages, rinse and repeat. And so you just kind of get this self-fulfilling prophecy out of low rates and mortgage fodder. And um, we have to watch that. The Fed now owns over 30% of the mortgage bonds in existence. And Fannie and Freddie's uh, contribution to uh, the mortgage-backed securities the agency versus non-agency is just absolutely massive. Um, by the way, new housing starts declined 5.1% in August. So that's one of the first data points that might seem somewhat negative in housing in quite some time. But as I looked under the hood, the single family housing starts were actually up again. It was a, the aggregate number that multifamily brought down. All in all, though, builder confidence has definitely been hot. And I think it would not be a bad thing to see it cool down a little bit. 
So um, I'm going to leave it there. There's plenty of links and charts and things at covidmarkets.com. And we have, again, our weekly dividend cafe coming to you tomorrow. So uh, enjoy uh, COVID markets. Enjoy your evening and reach out to us at the Bonson Group with any questions you have anytime. Take care. The Bonson Group is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk. There is no guarantee that the investment process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Bonson Group and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the Bonson Group and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for any related questions.